I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good day, everyone. Today, we have a guest in the house, a great friend of mine that has become an important social pillar for me in KL. You know, so coming to KL was definitely a challenge for me, like, like socially, I was alone. But through a mutual friend, we got to know each other and I safely say that this gentleman we have today is an adventurous, daring and some say crazy one, right? A little bit like me, you know? <laughs> so he embarked on his career and his passion for food around the world, doing frequent food trips. Like everywhere I go, somehow I can ask him where to eat, where to dine and he can tell me all sorts of interesting stuff around Asia, around Europe and he took the leap of faith to join one of the best restaurants in the world, Noma. So some say the best, uh, not like the best in Singapore, JB and some say Batam, you know, it's like legit, they are one of the best restaurants in the world. So if you don't know Noma, Google them, very interesting place. And I've invited him on the show to share his experiences living and working in different countries, from KL to Singapore to Denmark, and why he ultimately chose to come back to KL to self-actualize on his vision. So let's welcome Mr. Joel Kirk. Hey guys. Thanks, Reggie. Thanks yeah. for having me here. Thanks for coming on to the right, show. No worries, very happy to, to have you and you know, I'm very happy that you took time off your busy schedule to, to be yeah. with us. You know, like kitchen work is very long hours, right? It is, it is really yeah, long hours. It's like yeah. nine. But we still do get our off days. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we still need to rest. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. thanks days, for having me on. How many days do you guys work a, a week? Um, the place I work at, it's uh, five days a week, two days off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so want to share a little days. bit more? Where do you do now? What do you um, do? I'm currently working in Sitka, uh-huh, a uh-huh. restaurant in Plaza Bata in KL. Uh, it's a really nice place that does modern Asian food. Um, very progressive as well. Lo- u- using a lot of local ingredients and uh, championing local ingredients as well. Yeah, it's yeah. an amazing place. Cool stuff. And 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 I know you actually have a lot of short stories to share. Right? Our pre-interview <laughs> was like, wow, super long, <laughs> super fun, and amazing. Too bad we had to cut it short, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes. So I'm super excited. You know, to to talk to you about like life in different countries. How do you manage your finances, the experiences around? But mm. but before that, mm. you know, uh, some would say that culinary, at, at least in our era, like we have millennials, like twenty plus thirties. So, um, to join the culinary world, like to join food as an industry, it's it's pretty off the norm. It's pretty interesting. You know, for Singaporeans at least, right? Not mm, not, mm. not many Singaporeans would be like, hey, I'm gonna like be a chef or like, you know, do do culinary or join the food industry. So I actually classify that as challenging. You mm, know, okay. and so I'm Understood. I'm pretty curious yeah. like like how did you end up here and, and why did you decide that this will be the path, you know, to go forward? So personal experience, I think back when I was like fifteen, my dad literally asked me like, So what do you do want to do when you grow up? <laughs> So it's like, till then I didn't really think about it. You know, you have usually some people say, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer and stuff like that. But I never really thought about it. Um, So that really got me into thinking. And I guess I figured out then that I wanted to do something with my hands. And I didn't want to sit in an office and stuff like that. So uh, I had a bit of experience uh, growing up in a family that loves to cook, uh, loves to eat as well. So I found myself cooking quite a lot at home, uh, trying to sustain me and my brothers growing up. So I guess it resonated with me to work in a kitchen. So I just decided I want to be a chef. Yeah, that's when it all started. <laughs> hmm. that, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and where, where was the, the first place that, that you that actually properly joined the culinary world? Where was your first venture? Properly know? joined the culinary yeah. world. Uh. Um, Did you go through school? Culinary school? Uh, it wasn't really a culinary school per se. It was more of a... Uh, F&B food beverage management course so I knew ultimately that I want to work in a kitchen mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time I knew that I want to run a business around the restaurant and I needed to know management skills around that how to build a restaurant what goes into financing or accounting or marketing and stuff like that so uh, knowing that I went into studying the management side of it and uh, not necessarily learning how to cook per se but I was more worried about the management part of it yeah so knowing that I actually went to study management instead and 
went on to work in a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit weird because yeah, some people yeah. some people say, you know, uh, why do you study management and yeah, then work in the kitchen? Yeah. How it's did like, you end up in the kitchen? It basically pay so much to study management but yeah, work in the kitchen. Yeah. So is, is it is it like a common thing? Because from what I understand, the front of house, the management actually makes more than the back of house, which is the kitchen. Um, is it, is it generally, yes. Actually, uh, yes. Uh, uh, but, you know, I had that thought in mind that I can't be learning accounting on the job, right? Mm. I, I'm not going to be... A, an accountant or I can't be learning finance on the job so I knew that I'm, if I were to spend my entire time in the kitchen itself I wouldn't have much time learning about management or accounting and stuff like that so yeah that was the plan uh. that was the game plan uh. study uh-huh. management get all that knowledge in your head first and then go work full time in the kitchen okay yeah. okay so, so how, where was the first establishment that you joined uh, Natalie's Gourmet Studio it was actually my internship uh-huh. uh, after just right after university in Taylor's are, um, are they still around Netflix, yes. Netflix, okay. Gomi is still around. Yeah, you know, uh, F&B is very challenging. Right? It does, yeah. yeah. Turn, turnover true, is crazy. True, true, true. Um, but you know, I was lucky to find this French lady who opened a restaurant here in Malaysia itself. And she has um, some culinary experience as well. Uh, learning from one of the best chefs in France, uh, Anne-Sophie Pick. So coming to Malaysia, finding her and like learning from her really built a very good foundation for starting off. Um, it was also really challenging because it was a new new restaurant and uh, she was doing a lot of things, not only servicing the restaurant and service itself, it was uh, caterings. So we did lots of caterings for the French embassy, we did uh, private dining events, we did parties, cooking classes. So it literally opens up the entire gamut of uh, what is possible within the F&B industry. Yeah. So working for her was really helped. It's pretty crazy, okay. yeah. First assignment, French, like Chauvinsev. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but I mean, <laughs> you in Taylor's, they literally teach you French techniques, uh, oh. and they teach you French language okay. as well. So, so Taylor haven't sponsored our podcast, right? No, but, no, no. But no, yes, no. <laughs> so at the, the university, <laughs> at that university, that, that university. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's the best school, but uh, you know, yeah, okay. that's what it generally taught us, lah. Uh, mm-hmm. Up to you to make your own decisions. <laughs> And and from from there, I mean, you definitely you know ended up in Denmark, right? So it's it's like a whole journey to get to Noma. Okay. You know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm curious, like, why why was that? You know, because you told me that that was like a goal. Like Noma is a is a goal. Yeah. Right. That you wanted to go to it, and and why was that the goal? You know. Um, I guess I was in a point in life where I want to see. You know, sometimes you want to test yourself how far you can go. Like, what are you really capable of? And at that time, I thought Noma was the the ceiling, mm. right? Like, in the food world, up and coming food world. And uh, yeah, so with that in mind, it's like how I challenged myself, how far, whether I could actually survive in that environment. It's a really high stress, high pace, uh, really difficult emotionally, physically, mentally environment. So... Yeah, that was my ceiling and I put that as my goal. Mm, okay, but to get there, you know, it's like... It's <laughs> totally like, different story, totally man. Totally different story. It's yeah, like a it's like yeah. whole journey. I, I know you personally, so, yeah. I mean, we talked about this and, mm. you know, to get there, you, you actually took many stops in between. Yeah, right? yeah, so, and, yeah. And one of those stops was like Australia. Yeah. Right? So, so you you took a leap of faith, you you, you pack up your bags, you went to Australia and you wanted to like go door knocking and, and find your <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like it was like, okay, I don't want to... Well, back then, Australia was like the place to be, you know, mm-hmm. to earn money and to enjoy the cafe scene. Uh, it was uh, booming. Uh, back then, meaning like, what, five, six years ago mm-hmm. when the cafe scene was booming. Um, that was the place for many Malaysians to, to emigrate to actually. So oh. uh, with that in mind, you know, I wanted to go there to look for a better opportunity in life, to learn from the best, to earn some money as along the way. Yeah, so that was the goal. Uh, going heading to Australia, <laughs> you know, earn money, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, but Malaysia is a, quite a difficult um, place to be for the FNB industry financially. Uh-huh. Um, How much were you paid when you when you first started? When I first started, uh, uh, Natalie's paid quite well. Uh, uh-huh. Back then, it was about two thousand. 2000, RM2000, 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 okay. RM2002, okay. um, which was slightly better than most places. Mm. 
So most hotels would pay you a thousand five, thousand eight ringgit. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hotels itself, like five star hotels, pay you a thousand five. Sometimes even thousand two if you have no experience. So Netlist itself paid a thousand, two thousand plus. But you know, with that kind of pay, the responsibilities are there. The the workload is there. So yeah. Oh shit! It was tough. Malaysia is still tough, actually. Uh, it hasn't grown much in the past six, seven years. Actually, I've been in in, in this industry for about nine years, close to ten years now, and it's only it's only grown by a few hundred ringgit. You know, like so. So you mean that, like, if if today we want to start our career in culinary, you you still be paid like thousand eight ringgit, thousand eight, two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Damn, in KL. In KL. How, how do you live on that? No, um, that's it's, uh, it's crazy, right? That's the reality so, of like passion project. <laughs> it is literally, pa- but some people just do it because you know, you know, you always hear of people that uh, can't do anything else, so they go into culinary. But then again, because of the growing interest in the culinary world, you know, you've got like cooking shows, Master Chef, and all this kind of. Uh, uh, learn how to cook online and YouTube and all this foodie thing coming up. Everybody wants to be a chef now. It's a cool thing to be a chef now. But back then, it was something that when you were desperate and you didn't have anything to do or you don't know what you want to do, you go into the kitchen, you know? Because you don't really have to think so much about it. It's just a, a daily grind kind of thing. So back then, it was like that. Nowadays, it's a totally different approach to it and... I think it's a good thing because more and more people are getting interested in the food that we eat. Um, but still, it's not paid. Yeah. It's not paying enough. It's Financially, it's pretty crazy, right? It is, it is, it is. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why you decide to like want to explore Australia. Yeah, yeah. Like, to go there and, yeah. and I mean, you told me you pack up, you, you brought your money, you spent a month there, but <laughs> this whole plan flopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, I saved up all this money uh, intending to move to, to do my internship in Noma. So Noma was the entire plan around Noma. It's a three month, minimum of three months internship, unpaid internship, where you need to have a certain amount of money in your bank account for the government to approve your visa. Uh, you also need to be self-sufficient. You need to have your own rental. You need to have uh, your own flight tickets. Um, you need to pay for your own visa which I did pay in Singapore when I was working in Singapore. We'll get to that soon. Uh, I think the visa itself was $1,500 Sing dollars. Damn, just for visa? Just for a visa. For the okay. three months work visa, it was $1,500 uh, Sing dollars. And then the flight tickets, and then your rental there, it's about... Um, how much did I pay rental in Denmark? It was about $900 Sing dollars for a room in Denmark. Uh, yeah, so it was really a, a big financial strain if I were to do that with Malaysian ringgit, you know. Uh-huh. So so you actually calculated this thing. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you had a very clear goal. I did, yes. You know, and and you you added like a so essentially you calculated how much to get there, and then this whole financial how to survive there how to at survive least. There yes, 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 So, yes, so yes. how much would that would it add up to? Um, eventually, after actually doing it, I spent about. In total, about seven thousand Sing dollars. Ah, yeah, okay. I got cheap flight tickets from my cousin though. So, uh, okay. so, so that was like a cousin hack. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a discount, you know, <laughs> flight flight discount. Uh-huh. Um, and also that uh, I managed to find cheap housing. You know, after months of searching for a cheap house, um, I I was quite lucky in that sense. You know, cheap housing. Uh, I got discount on flight ticket. Uh, I didn't really, although as much as I wanted to eat at all the really good restaurants in Denmark, uh, I had to really choose the ones that I really wanted to go. Uh, but other than that, it was just basically living off daily. Uh. Yeah, not really spending too much. And yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Noma was that goal. Like going to Denmark yeah. was that goal. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in this process, Australia was supposedly to be supposedly the place to, to help me. Your yeah, finances, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? To farm. Exactly, that's the word <laughs> to, to use. Farm, to farm, right? It's like yeah, Dota yeah. guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, to farm your finances. I mean, it's, it's literally impossible to do it in Malaysia if mm. you're in a... Um, not so well to do family and, mm. and whatnot. If you're working your way up, saving by yourself, I mean, 2,000 ringgit a month, your expenses, your rental, uh, if you have a car, you know, you got to pay all this insurance and your maintenance and stuff like that, you literally have like hundreds of ringgit left a month to save. Mm. How much am I going to, I can't <sighs> be saving 30,000 ringgit. That's like enough to buy a car, come on. Mm. So spending three months in Noma, 
literally can buy you a car here in Malaysia, Damn. you know. Literally can buy you a car. So oh, if I were to stay in Malaysia to farm that money, it would take me years. So no, I had to find a better option. Yeah. So Australia. Australia was uh, <laughs> Australia was the option, you know, but but yeah. now that I see it, opened it, uh, up the world. it opened up the world, you know, going to Australia, trying to look for a job, also brought its own challenges. Uh. Yeah, you know, um, at that time we had a lot of Asian people uh, moving there, uh, doing student visas, trying to yes, uh, weasel their way into staying in Australia. So me doing that came with a bit of uh, uh, risk as well. Because I never, I didn't know if I could actually get a job. So you know, you walk up to a restaurant. You, in my head, I'm thinking like, "Hey, hi guys, you know, I'm here already. This is my resume. You know, it's awesome. I'm, I I studied French. You know, I know accounting. <laughs> I did my, I have my degree. You know, I have I work experience in a French restaurant in a five star hotel. Like hire me, man. Come on, I'm so good. You know. And then we were like, "Do you have a visa?" I was like, "No, I need to get a visa when you hire me." And it's like, "No, you get the visa, and then we can hire you." <laughs> it's a catch twenty two, man. I'm I'm stuck there. I'm just like, dude, wait. I need the visa to get a job, but I need a job to get the visa because the government says you need to have a, a offer letter to get a job. I'm just like going door to door. I'm just like, "Hello, I need a visa, please." <laughs> It's tough, uh, it's tough. It was tough back then, yeah. But ultimately, I was got quite lucky. Uh. Uh, the last week when I was supposed to come back from Australia, um, literally close to broke, spent all my savings in Australia itself. That's how you became a surfer boy, right? <laughs> so I wouldn't say surfer. I did surf in Australia though, yeah. Great Ocean Road, but yeah. Trust me, guys. I know you cannot see him, but uh, we'll, we'll add a photo. He looks like a surfer, okay? It's, the yeah, whole vibe no, is no, there, no. but yeah. Yeah, so yeah. And last week Australia, what happened? Yeah, last week of Australia, um, uh, I literally blasted out emails to friends who were working in uh, in establishments in Singapore, in Australia. Um, was you know that desperate times where you literally just email anyone you could get your hands on, um, writing cover letters that were like totally not me, like you know, oh hi, you know, I really love your establishment, you know, but <laughs> deep down I'm just desperate to get a job. Hire <laughs> me. <laughs> You're not alone, I swear. <laughs> when I see all the <laughs> letters that my friends yeah, write, it's yeah. like, even I did that, you know, it's like... It's crazy, yeah. Crazy. But sometimes you got to sacrifice something, you know, like, you know, sacrifice your face to get a job when you're desperate. Um, and then one of my friends in Singapore was working uh, with a hotel in Singapore and uh, he replied back. He was like, hey, you know, we're looking for someone in Singapore itself. Uh, would you like to send in a resume? Would you be interested? So I was like, oh, to hell, man. Whatever to get me a job, you know. <laughs> So I sent in a, a resume and uh, thankfully enough, they replied quick. They did an interview on Skype. Um, within two weeks, I was in Singapore already with a job and working for this hotel. So it really took a, a very quick turn of all for the weather. Uh, stayed in Singapore for about three years. Yeah. So I, I get it that ultimately you, you got to Singapore and it's very much like a, a financial reality check. You know that push mm. you to Singapore. Yeah, yeah. Right, and yep. you know, for like a better way to put it, right, you paid relatively well, uh, compared yep. to compared to here in Malaysia. Yeah, and I mean, you said that you believe that it opened up new opportunities for you working in Singapore, and and it is it is very interesting because most Singaporeans will not tell me that, like mm-hmm. you know, being in Singapore opened up opportunity for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, okay. Right? So for 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 you as a Malaysian. Mm. You know, uh, wanting to go to Denmark, Noma, and mm. then thinking that Australia was your thing, but failed and ended up in Singapore. Mm. It definitely opened up, you know, like this whole new door. And could you give us some perspectives? Like, how does earning Sing Dollar, you know, actually change your life? Wow. You yeah, know? yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, um, I guess it did help being broke, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like living off bread and, and uh, trying to make ends meet kind of thing. Like you literally are living on a time bomb. Like I personally don't like to borrow or take loans from family or whatever. Even until now, I don't even have a credit card. Like I don't, I'm really against loans. So I really live within my means in in that sense and try to stretch the dollar as long as possible. So um, I do a lot of backpacking on budget and, and stuff like that. And going to Australia, like literally coming back with almost an empty bank account really puts things into perspective. Like you can actually live with very minimal uh, things and uh, 
really adjusting your expectations and how you live your lifestyle. So going to Australia with that mindset already, um, earning sing dollars just somehow gives you a much bigger leverage. You know, open literally opens doors. You know, because if I were to continue living my lifestyle as a in my head as a backpacker or someone with no money, so you keep that mindset in your head. You live off every single dollar, sing dollar that you get. You have so much more to save and so much more things you can do with the things that the money you save. So I literally, <laughs> I got addicted to it. Like <laughs> I save, I literally put it aside. Um, a, a thousand sing dollars a month. Shit, how how much were you making sing dollar a month? Uh, yeah. it's okay to share. Okay, oh, yeah, share. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. making about two point eight in oh, sing dollars. Oh wow! So 2. it was 8. like it was like two k RM. Yeah, two k RM to two point eight sing dollars. Sing. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Huge jump, huge jump. Huge I jump. mean, but then again, you're living in Singapore. You're you're paying you know mm. Singapore prices. I understand that. Uh, but if you really look at it, right, dollar to dollar, the living expenses in Singapore, if you don't count the rent. Like food wise, you know, you just need food, right? Mm. Food is cheap in Singapore. You go to those MRT stops, every MRT will have a, a place that sells you a dollar, two dollar meal, mm. right? You Bro, I think that's like f- a few years ago. <laughs> no, I still find it. Now still have? I still find it. Seriously, oh, wow. I, I lived in Toapayo Central. Uh, uh. Toapayo Central at the bus terminal, in the middle, there's a, a chicken rice stall that sells you a dollar fifty chicken rice. Damn, Toapayo, guys. Toapayo Central. Dollar fifty chicken rice. Where can you find that? Seriously, but you know, it's not that I, it's not that you have to live off a dollar fifty chicken rice every day, you know. But if you make it as a sustainable thing, you know, if you really want to save money, it's available. You have food. It's not the best food you can get, but you know, what's your priority? To survive, to save money, or to spend whatever you get. So. My priorities back then was to travel, you know? <laughs> like, you know, I got this money, you know, travel! So I save a thousand bucks every month. Uh, I try to save a thousand bucks every month. My rental itself in Topaz Central was like 950 okay, that's for a room. So, but I'm not complaining, you know? I could, I could afford it in that sense. So, what, 950 out of 2005 is about one third of my, almost one third yeah, of my salary. So, it is a bit high, yeah. Um, but I wanted a place where I could, you know, relax and call my home so I did pay a bit of premium on the room uh, you can still find cheaper rooms around of course if you stay in Ishun <laughs> <laughs> which I did I actually stayed in Katip at first oh, yeah so um, like one and one year I stayed in Katip and then um, the other two years I moved out and stayed <laughs> in Topaya Central yeah, yeah. closer to, to Orchard yes yeah so um Issue the land of weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's cheap, uh, you know. The first the first room I rented was seven fifty. Mm. And it, I got the whole room to myself, really nice house and everything. Uh yeah. I mean opportunities and cheap places are definitely available. Really nice places. If you just need find uh, you just need to find uh, Yeah. Take give it some time. It also maybe depends on a bit of luck. Who knows? But yeah, so I put aside that one-thirds of it for my living expenses, my housing. But it, it didn't bother you like shifting to Singapore, you know, have space constrained and pay so much because uh, my, my context is I have a lot of friends from Malaysia, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I live here now yeah, and, yeah. you know, I talk to people and when, mm, when I tell mm. people I'm from Singapore, they mm. give me that, you know, you, you think you're Singapore, you big kind of, kind oh, of vibe, okay, okay. But, but that is okay. That, yeah, that's for another yeah, day. Yeah. But when, when I connect with them and talk mm. to them, a lot of people actually don't want to go to Singapore because of this kind of lifestyle changes. Ah, okay, yeah, because yeah, yeah. honestly, for many people that live in KL, they, they a graduate, they work a job, five, four, five thousand a month. Mm, they mm. can live at home, decent house. It's a house, uh, not a flat, not a yeah, corner, yeah, not yeah. a room. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, a house yeah. and they have two cars on average. Yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so going to Singapore and, and ending up living in a room. It's a culture shock in a bit. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, how, yeah. how was that for you? Right, when, um, when you first went there? When I first went, I, I mean, going into it, like I said, uh, I did a lot of a, a bit of traveling, a bit of backpacking as well. So, um, I got used to the fact that uh, living in small spaces in a close proximity, and honestly, I wasn't in any any how to say uh, any position to complain. You know, I'm I'm there to earn money. I'm not there to live a lavish life. So I knew that there will have to be some kind of sacrifice, and. Then again, you're going to a, a, a new country, a new place. 
you can't be expecting to live the life you used to live before unless of course you're really financially uh, steady and you have a lot of money to spend yeah sure go ahead but hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you go to a new country, you live how they live, huh? you know? We live within your means and yeah, so I guess I didn't really bother me that much. Yeah, living with that kind of uh, environment. Yeah. Okay, that, that's that's cool. So then, with with that extra money that you gathered now, yeah, right? So it's yeah. like a thousand every yeah. month. Yeah. You know what? What do you do with it? Yeah. I think <laughs> you said you wanted to travel, and I know that during that period of time, you travel to a lot a of places. A lot of places. So yeah, come share with us some interesting experience. You know how making this thing dollar, you know, has has opened up all these doors for yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I literally traveled, man. Uh, that was my intended goal in the first place like uh, I mean of course Noma was still at the back of my mind uh, I did save a little bit more for Noma and it, but you know when you start to see that money in your bank account growing and it's like oh man am I just going to leave it in a bank account and do nothing with it like you know let's let's just enjoy a little you know but then again I don't go on like um, you know for a budget backpacker right mm. when I travel to In Malaysian ringgit, when I travel to a, 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 a another country, let's say you spend like seven hundred ringgit, one thousand ringgit, it's like, man, that's a lot of money, you know. And then you see in Sing dollars, right? That same amount of thousand ringgit, right? It's three hundred Sing, dude. It's like three times cheaper, kind of lah, you know. You you get psychologically, you you see the number is so much smaller, right? You can have the same experience but with so much less money. Why not? So I it just went into that craze, uh, you know. Let's travel. I did like Philippines, Hong Kong, Bali, Europe, uh, India. Literally went all over. It's amazing, man. Damn, and, and wow, that's crazy. How 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 long was that? How long were you in Singapore? Three, three years. Three years. So yeah. three years, thousand dollar every month, and yeah. you travel to all these different places. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. And oh, I have my friend to thank for it though. <laughs> she she is like the number one trip advisor. She'll look. For every single cheap deal you can get, and get the cheapest flight for you with the best itinerary, she will do everything for me. It's like we enjoy ourselves, man, so much, oh, so man, much, so that's much. That's cool. Eh? Yeah. So, so what was, you know, uh, maybe share with us which place was the most interesting for you as a food lover. Some, some would probably you can call yourself a food expert. I mean, you're in the culinary world, and you know, for someone that loves to travel, you probably spend a lot of time with food, right? Like yeah, exploring yeah, different yeah. cuisine, you know, yeah. which was the few places, you know, that that was very memorable for you. I think every one of the places I travel to is quite memorable because uh, to be fair, every culture is amazing, right? Uh, if you're going to a new place with an open mind and uh, not expecting much, but to expect to learn and to see what they actually eat and how it actually tastes like. So in Philippines, I went with uh, close friends from Singapore. Uh, they are Filipinos. They're working in Singapore as well. So they brought us to their hometown. It was out in the paddy fields, literally had lechon, which is like a um, a feast, you know, whole roast suckling pig where we literally had to gulling the fur for like <laughs> five, six hours over charcoal flames. We put the whole piglet on the table over banana leaf. We had seafood, oysters, and chicken, and pig, and all that. That was amazing in Philippines. Balut, I tried my first balut. Oh, I tried balut. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Experience. Yeah. It is an experience, but you know, it's amazing how these people. It's so normal to them. You know, it's like. They sell it at Seven Eleven. That's how they normal do. it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like pasar malam kind of yes, thing, right? You just yes. jalan walk on the street. You yeah, get like balut yeah, for like balut. five for like few pesos, and, yeah. and it's like um, um, going to India. You get the food there. You know, traveling by train, mm. they have this uh Thai boys where they literally carry um, containers of hot tea and a 
uh, the other hand will be like whole stack of cups, and you just go back like chai chai chai, <laughs> and you be like how much ten rupees? <laughs> ten rupees is like dirt cheap cents, yeah, man. Uh, uh. They'll give you a hot cup of chai, and they'll walk throughout the entire train full of people. You can even like when you're in the train, order your food through someone on the train. He will text. Um, the delivery guy at the next stop, <laughs> and then they will literally throw it, throw the food on the train, so they pass it to you. It's like delivery wow. service, but in the train station, you don't have to move. They literally have created like a network, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, literally. That was India, and then you go to like uh, went to Jasmine Desert, where we had our tour guide. We actually met this tour guide as a taxi driver. Took this taxi, and then he was like, "Hey, do you know anywhere we can get?" Uh, tours and, and stuff to the desert and he's like I can take you he's <laughs> like no way you're a taxi driver yeah I have friends blah 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 I can take you I know the way it's like okay sure how much like okay we just charge you a simple rate now, a cheap rate then we did that he cooked for us in the desert you know literally at night he started a wood fire in the desert in the sand he cooked some bread he cooked some curry and sat there and see the stars in the desert in Jaisame we had like amazing puri by the train station in a roadside fruits amazing India was another experience man um, literally everything is almost 99% vegetarian we literally had to go to KFC to get a meat <laughs> after one after two weeks you know after two weeks we literally like bagged mm-hmm. this this tuk-tuk driver uh. like do you know anywhere that sells meat uh. no sir <laughs> KFC maybe <laughs> so we literally went to KFC Shit. to get meat but every restaurant in India that we went to Majority vegetarian So that was a bit tough for us We literally uh-huh. had cravings for meat um, Hong Kong You had like Really good dim sum uh, You had really good Wonton Wonton noodles uh, Where else uh, Europe Yeah Europe You know Paris and Italy Nothing much to say about that <laughs> You know It's yeah. like Really I good think, I think the region You know like like ASEAN as a region has so much to offer yeah, culturally, does, does. Yeah. food wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, all these different elements. So, you know, if you guys, uh, I know a lot of people in Singapore, everyone wants to travel to like Europe, you know, travel to America, travel to all the Angmore places, fair, right? Fair, fair. fair, do your thing, you, you know, your like, interest yeah, whatnot, you know, yeah. you love it. I know Japan is, is cool. Oh, uh, I love yeah, Japan. We love oh, Japan. Right? Ramen is, is interesting. When you go there, right, ramen is not ramen. You know, ramen is like a classification. There are tons, tons of ramen. Tons of different styles around, there so yeah. it's interesting I know you, you want to travel to all these like for like a better way to put it more expensive places exclusive more exclusive more pricey right pricey it is so it comes to a price it's cool but I mean you know let's give the region a chance I think Ho Chi Minh is great it's interesting mm. you know like a melting mm. pot mm. you know Hanoi Vietnam is, is interesting super it like is. Halong Bay is super beautiful is, is, you know is. uh I've not been to Myanmar, but I, I like how you say like, uh, where is it in Vietnam? They literally they are the Asian French people. Uh, they yeah, drink coffee yeah, yeah, yeah. at the roadside with the road lorries passing yeah, by. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, let me share with you guys. Uh, if you've not been to Vietnam, uh, I'm sure you know that uh, some parts of Vietnam have been colonized by the French, and the French people they like to sit facing the roads, right? They like to <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, plazas, plazas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they face the plaza, and then like people walk past. So they they do people watching, right? So in Vietnam, right, they have adopted the same thing so people at the cafes they face the road but what they are facing is like lorries driving past the rawr, road all the sand coming out and then then you see all these people like copying the French looking at the road I'm like you have more can like what's there to see right? <laughs> see lorry yeah, yeah. so these are the interesting observations that you can you can pick up within the region yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of friends that travel to Myanmar like Bagan they say it's, it's very interesting like all the golden temples and uh, mm, Cambodia is a great mm, place mm, also like culturally yes, it's yes. very very interesting but my experience in Cambodia is I couldn't really find a lot of uh, very nice local cuisine mm. that were not charging me tourist prices mm. you know so personally I'm not a great fan of tourist prices like, yeah, right? who like, is? it doesn't feel good right like, who is? Yeah, yeah, like you know, yeah, I don't mind yeah, paying yeah. whatever you charge the locals at you know but you yeah. charge me a premium two time three time it's not that cool yeah. right so I think within the region there's so much to offer you know mm. of course Bali is where everyone goes but mm. you know Lombok is an interesting place mm-hmm. uh, oh Gili Traungan Gili Gili Meno Gili yeah, Ae yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, for diving yeah man diving Philippines my Caribbean yes, friend yes, says yes. that the like, Philippines yeah. the water is amazing yeah, right yeah. so I mean even in Sabah you don't have to travel so far man in sub- <laughs> literally Sipanan yeah. is one of the places that most international divers go to really? they love it they oh, love it yeah, yeah in Sabah 
Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So and the best thing about it, you can go diving and then climb ki- like Kinabalu. <laughs> oh, you it's so near KK. Yeah. I mean, oh shit. Within a few days, lah, oh, you can that's, travel, lah. That's la. cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Okay, yeah, man. We we gotta do that that one day. Yeah, but you can't dive and then climb Kinabalu. Of course, next man. You like super beta already. You go crazy, man. But but yeah. So so Noma, man. Like Noma, right? Oh yeah. You could share with us, like. Like how was life like in in Denmark? You know, after all this traveling that you've done in Singapore and around the region because of the money you make, mm-hmm. finally you have saved enough. Yeah, finally. To finally, finally you save enough. Thank this, you, this Singapore. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Despite all these crazy things that you do, you still manage to save enough yeah, after yeah, three years. Yeah. You know, to to get to Noma. Yeah. Right, and uh, I'm I'm very curious. Like, how is life like in Denmark? So Noma is in Denmark, and. How do you live there? What is the spending like? You know how the finances work because you you don't actually make money. Yeah. Right. Because it's a free internship. Yeah, it's a free right? internship. And, yeah. and I heard there are tons of people there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Wow. So, yeah. So is. share with us your experience. You know, work reality with Noma and financial reality in that. So Noma, with the period I went to was uh two years ago, 2018. So July 2018, I did a three months stint there. Uh, till there was a vegetable season that they do. Um, it was vegetarian. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I mean, Noma's concept is this: where every year they have three, three seasons. They call it uh, the early season, where it's the uh, late winter, January till probably March or April. They will do a seafood season because where during the winter is where all the seafood are very plump. They feed a lot and gain fat to you know uh, survive the winter. So that's where seafood are usually the plumpest. Uh, so they do seafood season in the early year, early of the year. Uh, they they have a break. They close the restaurant and they all reopen for a vegetable season in the uh, the spring and uh, summers as well. Uh, and then coming to autumn, they do a um, uh, what's call it uh, a meat season. Uh, yeah. So that's where they do a lot of uh, game game season. They call it. Yeah. Uh, lots of duck. Lots of. Uh, uh, venison and all the kind of things so I was there during the vegetable season during the late summer uh, yeah Copenhagen uh, Denmark's in uh, Noma is in Copenhagen right so Copenhagen is a city right you've got uh, lots of uh, public transport you know uh, but the easiest way to move around and actually I would safely say every single one in Denmark has a bike like a bicycle bicycle yeah oh, a bicycle shit. so they cycle literally cycle everywhere Right, uh, there are probably more bicycles than people in Denmark in in Copenhagen. You literally find bicycles everywhere in the river. In the river, <laughs> in the river, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you like you you cycle drunk, you know, you uh-huh. you throw the bicycle in there or whatever. Like the old bike shit, right? <laughs> like people throw the old phone. Yeah, the old yeah, bike yeah, yeah. The literally, like, it, bike there, bicycles there are so easy to come around that. Uh, I'm not saying that I endorse it, lah. But some people just literally just steal bikes off mm, the street, mm, you know, mm. and just cycle it for a bit, throw it away, and then grab another bike somewhere else. So that's what they do, you know. Shit. It's so common to find bikes everywhere, and uh, that's even this thing where um, you can walk up to certain uh, apartment buildings where they have a specific place. Uh, the one I was at, they kept it at a car park. You can actually walk up there and then take a look at secondhand bikes, and it's free to take. Free to take. Yeah, free to take. Yeah. Damn. So sometimes when people upgrade their bikes or whatever, right? Uh-huh. They, there's nowhere to sell it. Sometimes because there's just too many there's bikes. There's just too around. many bikes. So <laughs> they just literally put it aside mm. and then put a note there that you can take it however you want. Of course, there are, some of them are like, no, maybe, maybe not your not your height uh-huh. or the brakes are a bit rusty. Uh-huh. Those kind of things. But you know, it's still usable bikes. So you can literally, but it's the best way, mode of transportation in Copenhagen. You cycle everywhere. Wow. So definitely get a bike. You can buy one, you can rent one, you can rent daily, you can rent by hour, you can rent a whole month, no problem. Uh, bike shops are everywhere in Copenhagen. So moving about, there was one. Uh, I got a place that was really near the restaurant. So I literally walked there. Um, yeah, it was really, really good place. Although it's really hard to find Asian food there. Asian food in Copenhagen is really expensive. Oh, it's really, really expensive. Asian premium. It's the Asian yeah, premium. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's like how Australia has like $20 Aussie yeah, dollar yeah, chicken yeah, rice, yeah, yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah. Crazy and it's, shit. it's not cheap. Yeah, it, it, it happens. And especially when you bring Asian cuisine to like more exquisite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the ingredients are hard to come by. Yeah. The people there are not not so, um, how to say, open to Asian food. Yeah, You don't get that, you know, full house kind of Asian 
restaurants. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To them, Asian food is like... Exotic. Exotic. Uh, you go once in a while, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, and back then, I mean... So Denmark you, has been a place... Copenhagen has been a place where food in itself has not been a, a big priority in a, in a past years. Only recently when uh, Noma and restaurants like Geranium and uh, all these other restaurants that start to come up in, in Copenhagen, they have brought the focus of food to Copenhagen. So before that, it wasn't, it wasn't really defined, the cuisine of Denmark. So Danish cuisine was like uh, small bread and, and seafood and, and potatoes. <laughs> Sounds very sad. You know, you get yeah, what I mean? Uh, but only recently, the Nordic food movement has brought this to light that we have a lot of, they have a lot of ingredients and they can make really good food out of it. So why hasn't anyone done that? So that's the whole idea of the Nordic food movement where all these restaurants in the Nordic region are doing. They're using the local produce uh, whatever they can get their hands on in their vicinity to create gr- really, really good food. And I think that's what I want to bring back here to Malaysia as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, especially in Asia, man, come on. Malaysia has one of the widest varieties of, of produce you can find. We are in the equatorial region. You literally have every single thing you want. We even have our oysters here in Malaysia. Really? That's an oyster farm. Oh shit, we have oysters? We have caviar here, grown caviar in Malaysia. Like oh, literally. I didn't know yeah, that. yeah, we have Malaysian oh, caviar cool. right now. Um, that's cool. Look it up, Malaysian caviar. You don't even have to buy your caviar from overseas now. Right? You can literally go to the caviar farm. You mm. can even order it online, whatever you want to do. Caviar farm here in Malaysia. You want oysters? We have really good rice uh, from Borneo. You have langit. Uh, we have uh, figs. You know, uh, mm. local fix it up in Jandabai. Oh, we have, uh, you know, one thing that I never noticed until recently when coming back from uh, Noma. Noma loves to use mulberries, mm. right? And in Copenhagen itself, the ones that we know, because we go foraging, right? In Noma, we do, we, we have a separate team that does foraging. So foraging means going out, sending a team out to the beach to pluck vegetables to pluck herbs to pluck flowers to get fruits so that the team back home in the restaurant can can churn things out right like vinegars or preserves or fermented stuff so one of it is mulberries and we get really nice mulberries in the late summer but there's only one tree in Copenhagen wait wait there's only one mulberry tree one mulberry tree in the city of Copenhagen what the hell there's only one (laughs) and it's a hidden secret only people who know that the tree exists We'll go there. Literally, we have to climb that tree. And you know where it is now? It's next to a government building, you know. Shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like real foraging. It's man. real. Uh, I mean, it's like in a city. Foraging, like, foraging, right? Urban foraging. Urban yeah, foraging, yeah. 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 Oh. oh, yeah. Even urban foraging, we do come across like next to a petrol station where it's like a bushland or whatever. And we find like um, knotweed. So it's like a bamboo, mini bamboo where you use to... We cut down the box to get used as a straw. So even do that, like get knotweed. Yeah. Uh, oh, come to think of it, I think I have a friend... You know they are doing urban foraging tours in Singapore. Really? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so I, I, I cannot remember offhand, but let me, let me get yeah, back yeah, to you look, and, look and, and that. you know so you guys. So coming back too, to the yeah. mulberry thing, right? Yeah, yeah. In Copenhagen, they adore the mulberry tree. They love it because it's because it's so hard one. to find. This is one, <laughs> and you know the next the it, because the whole season has to continue running. And if that tree runs out, right? You know where they have to get their mulberries from? From Sweden. Oh wow! They have to drive to the port, like ferry the car <laughs> to Sweden. And then drive to and the f- to the wilderness to pluck mulberries <laughs> and then come back. It's literally a day trip just to get mulberries. But here in Malaysia, I find it everywhere. Really? Along the roads. Everywhere. Mulberry trees. Just keep a lookout. You find them really stubby. It looks like a blackberry. Usually in the city it's usually a red colour. But in Jandamai, where we get um little farm on the hill, they supply us with really, really nice sweet mulberries. You can use the leaves, you can use the fruits, make jams use the, th- the leaves to make tea you can use so many things but that has opened up my eyes like literally we have so many things here just around us you just need to open your eyes and look and see which oh, is amazing wow. that, that is that is so cool and and from your experience in, in Noma yeah. you know like what, what have you picked up like life lessons you know like, like you talk about your working experience all these interesting experiences right yeah, but yeah. What, what have you filtered out ultimately? You know, what are these, some of these life lessons that you've gathered? 
You know, it's not all about finance here, right, guys? I know. Human you know, connection, so. ah. Human connection. Share me more, man. Share Ultimately, more. no matter how much money you make, whatever, you need that human connection. You know, like going to the best restaurant in the world. I think the best thing that I actually picked up from there was not the quality of work, was not even the. I mean, it is a good thing, you know, to learn and and uh, to live and see how far they are pushing cuisine, but ultimately, in that trying times. The one thing that keeps you moving forward are the people you work with, ah. Yeah. So it's I think it's a really important thing, and it's a lesson that I brought back also. Yeah. Treat the people you work with right. Uh, treat the people who work for you right, and treat the people who cook for you better. <laughs> like seriously, you know, like you know, you hear all these horror stories, right? You send food back and stuff like. That. I'm not saying it's it's bad or or or. So is it true? Do people actually? They are. They are. Yeah. I'm not saying. I'm not going to say that it, it's non-existent, mm. but they are. I'm just saying that you know. <laughs> people need to treat each other as each humans, other as humans. Right? Like, you know. Yeah. Yes, they cook for you. Mm. Uh, yes, they might not be as skilled or or intellectual or uh, well to do but come on man these people most of them in Malaysia even in Singapore hell these people actually come from far away places to look for a better living mm. right so, so we, yeah, they are not any different from us yeah we are right. all looking for a better way of life cool and from right. what I know most of the chefs in Singapore are actually from Malaysia wow let's not go there uh, it's a very touchy <laughs> topic but yeah it is true yeah, it's yeah. true a lot of Malaysians actually work in in, uh, in Singapore mm-hmm. so next time you go to a restaurant in Singapore right just ask your server or ask your your cook you know majority of them are from Malaysia yeah oh, that's 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 cool yeah. like yeah, personally, I've I have a few friends there in the industry, and they tell me they're just surrounded by Malaysians, uh, and mm-hmm. and Malaysians. Mm. To to me, I've realized that Malaysians are very very friendly people. You know, I feel personally, I feel you know. Mm. Of course, maybe, okay, maybe it's not just a Malaysian thing. Maybe it's like a suburban mindset. People that are living more in the kampong, they're more friendly, and then as you get closer to the city, mm. somehow the the barriers kind of build up. People get a little bit more defensive here and there. And and I have another guest that will come on the show to talk a little bit about this right in, in due time nice but yeah I know that you always talk about like living life in the moment right yeah like you know and I'm sure all these experiences that you've gathered through you know like KL to Singapore to Australia Noma and all these different places you've travelled you know they all kind of talk about to live life in the moment but yep. what does what does that actually mean to you could you just kind of share some clarity there what does living life in the moment mean to me eh? mm. I mean, of course, it's not to say that um, you don't plan for the future or you don't have any plans or dreams. I mean, I started off with the dream of going to Noma, right? But living life in the moment, I guess, is like your day-to-day choices. The choices that bring you forward, little steps that you take, little decisions that you take. Like, I literally, when I was in Singapore, right, trying to save up for Noma, it was just like, do I want to spend $5 on a meal or do I spend one fifty on a meal? That was to me was that literal day to day living life in that moment because I know all these little things can add up to a much bigger uh, problem in the future. You know, if I were to spend every day lavishly, like I don't know, McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. You know, lazy lah, lazy. Let's just order McDonald's, mm-hmm. dude. It's gonna set you back so much. You know, like you order McDonald's once a month compared to once a week. That's like it's gonna set you back quite a bit financially, lah. Um, yeah, I think it's living life in the moment is not really going all out gung ho and stuff <laughs> like. That. You can, you can be right, but then again, it's all up to your choice. I think being aware of the choices you make that is what it is to me. Uh. Oh, that's that's cool, and of course, it's. It's not all about your choices that lead to problems, right? Your choices also led you to opportunities yeah, yeah, and yeah. ultimately get you to, to where you are at. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you decide to come back to KL yes. to actualize. You know, you told me like, well, it's called uh, self-actualization, technically, right? Technically, I didn't uh, choose to come back to <laughs> KL. It's just that uh, I finished my internship in, in Noma. Then I did a bit of travels in Japan and uh, uh, Korea and uh, Taiwan. So after traveling... Coming back to Malaysia again, I was broke again. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I end up uh, always end up broke, you know. Uh, um, uh, 
broke in a sense that I still have money in the bank account lah, mm. but just I felt unsafe having so little, especially mm. now coming uh, older of age, you know, becoming of older, you want to have at least a little bit of uh, uh, buffer. Mm. Like a to, safety net. Like right? a safety net of yeah, money yeah. in the bank. So mm. I feel I could at least support myself if anything happened. So when I say broke, doesn't mean zero bank balance. Mm. Lah, huh? um, so coming back to Malaysia, uh, I knew that I had to start saving back again for, mm. you know, uh, further opportunities yeah. and whatnot. So w- was, was it a struggle when you when you first came back? Like, Financially, you know, because you were making sing dollar, and then and then you went to Noma, you spend, spend, spend because you, yeah, you didn't yeah, make anything, yeah, yeah. and then you come back. It's like the financial practices they keep changing, right? Yes, and yes. Like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. from sing dollar, you're making a and lot. And I tend to spend more yeah, in traveling. You know, it's uh, like I'm course. only here once. Let's yes, just do yes, this. Yes, I think many yeah, people yeah. do that. Many <laughs> yeah, yeah, people yeah, yeah, do yeah. that, and that's a challenge. Uh, that's a really yeah. big challenge because I'm never probably never going to come back again, or I don't know when I'll be coming back again. Fair. So I'll just spend and spend and spend and spend. Yeah. But ultimately, coming back to Malaysia, it was a bit of a financial di- struggle, lah. Because mm. you know, you live a certain lifestyle in in uh, wherever you are, and coming back, you just need to readjust that expectations, lah. You're no longer on a in a European country where beer is like one euro, lah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you come yeah. back here, it's like, oh, I need a drink, oh, the ten ringgit, fifteen yeah. ringgit, like, whoa, bro, yeah. So. A lot of adjustments need to be made, lah. Yeah, and uh, but then again, food is much easier to come by. Uh, convenience has made me uh, go out to eat more often. So I used to cook a lot in Denmark, in Copenhagen, save money. Uh, so I buy a lot of ingredients. I cook at home. You know, it was just those eggs and sausages, like literally the whole entire week. Cereal in the morning with milk. Just make simple things just to get by, lah. But coming back to Malaysia. You know, mama is there, chicken rice is there. You just need to drive, find parking, and just pay and pay and mm. pay. But then again, it's because of the convenience. It's the price of convenience you got to pay. You know, fair. Uh, yeah. And then, and you didn't go back to Singapore after you came back from. I Denmark. did go back for interviews. Ah, <laughs> yeah. I, I still wanted to go back to Singapore because uh. you know the financial. I knew I could easily get a job in Singapore. Mm. Um, uh, I have friends. You know, after the three years in Singapore, I had friends who are in the industry already who mm. are looking for people. Connections, so right? Connections, yeah. and so. Mm. so, I literally sent out emails back again, once again, uh, looking for jobs in Singapore. So within that meantime, while waiting for their replies, I did a part-time stint at Sitka. So, I was trying to find a an, an establishment that was actually with the same viewpoints and uh, and uh, standards of what I want to achieve with food so bringing that mindset back from Noma uh, using what you have available in your own region uh, trying to cut down on like importing stuff and, and uh, using premium items and stuff like that literally just work with the ingredients that you have around you of course I'm not saying that you have to be 100% uh, self-sufficient in your ecosystem but I'm saying you work with as much as you can work with whatever ingredients you have and Sitka was one of them uh, of course you have now it's quite famous Dewakan so I did also apply to Dewakan but uh, they didn't return back to me so Sitka was the one that actually came back to me first mm. and literally I sent out the email and an hour later I got a phone call and it's like can you come in this Friday it's like yep sure I'm free so wow and then it just started off from then then again you know you open up yourself and people will come to you eventually you mm. know uh and started off as a part-timer while looking for jobs in Singapore. Uh-huh. Yeah. <coughs> and then? Eventually <laughs> evolved into like, you know, they cycle me into staying. <laughs> like, you know, oh, why are you going to Singapore? Singapore's <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, the food scene in Singapore is a, a tricky one. Uh, a tricky mm. one to, to deal with. Um, as much as, as uh, the, they try to paint a picture of sustainability and stuff, which I don't doubt they are. They are doing it, but... Uh, I am Malaysian first and foremost, right? Mm. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm very patriotic or anything, lah, but I still want to do something here in Malaysia. Uh, that was uh, the tipping point. Lah. Mm. So they, they are a restaurant, Sitka is a restaurant where we want to push boundaries uh, to help Malaysians understand that we can do so much better here in Malaysia itself. I'm not saying to compare with other countries, but here in Malaysia itself, there are so many opportunities, so many things you can do if you, we, if we all work together. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. So, you know, like sacrificing finances. Oh man, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. like it's we are at the age. Right? You know, it's it's kind of, 
uh, it's kind of annoying. Like uh, I work my way up from like two thousand ringgit uh, uh, to like two thousand sing. I'm like, uh, yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah. And then coming back, it's like yeah. you're back to two thousand. You know, it's like, oh man, oh, shit. it's like up and down, up and down. And like oh, somehow I feel like, uh, somehow I feel like this sacrifices. Uh, hopefully, will be you know. It will, it will pay off uh, in the future. Is, is it worth it now? Like, do you feel worth like coming back and sacrificing? Do you see the change in the culinary world in Malaysia? Well, I've only been back like uh, slightly over a year. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, so still, still young, a lot, a still lot of young. things to work, uh-huh. work, work to. But, yeah. but a lot more to come. A, a lot, lot more, more interesting come. stuff yeah, coming, yeah, right? Yes, so, yes, 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 yes. you know, and and you're definitely one of those people like we talk about like living life in the moment right yeah. like opportunity here you know and it's aligned with your values you jump on it yeah. you know or yeah. you, you go and explore you try different different things and for many people that from my experience right meeting all these people that live in the present live in the moment they don't really engage much in like financial plan for the future okay you know like like don't don't see further right it's yeah, just like yeah, now yeah. now now yeah, like hippie kind of thing yeah yeah a bit like hippie okay. hippie you know okay, like okay. for a period of time i was also like a bit hippie <laughs> yeah, right like backpacker you know yeah, you're yeah, surrounded yeah, yeah. by all these kind yeah. of people hey guys don't know whether you can trust this guy right? <laughs> hippie but financial planner hey. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm also, jumping you <laughs> don't edit this out huh? don't edit <laughs> <laughs> but yes you know so so I've been through like a whole roller coaster around yeah, myself yeah, and, yeah. and I talk about mm, it very extensively mm. in the show, you know, mm, from being scammed to traveling to ultimately mm, mm, getting to where I am, mm, you know. But my experience with I people, think with your experience it, it gives you a more informed yeah, it, it decision. Def- definitely yeah. because you know, you know the highs and lows yes, of living life financially. Yeah. I think I think that the reality is that if you get something easily, you know, you lose it easily. I think yeah. that is quite true. You know, yeah. like it or not, it's it's quite true. Uh, my personal experience is because I go through all this grind and I became a lot more aware of my spending. Yes, yes, yes. You know, why yeah. I do certain yeah. things, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and it sounds like you, you have gathered that also. Yeah. Yeah. So through this process, right, like, do you find that at this current point in time, because before that you keep saying you broke, 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 like <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So at this current point in time, mm, going through mm, all this, mm, you know, has that mm. changed, you know, the way you plan your finances? No, I'm still broke. <laughs> <laughs> and then why are you on the show? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still broke. Because uh, this thing, you know, like coming back to Malaysia, is alright. it doesn't mean that I stop uh, wanting to travel or I stop all my, my interests, you know. I still have those interests and only recently that, um, <laughs> you know, coming back to Malaysia, right? Uh, working with Sitka. Sitka is a place where we always, like I said, we try to push certain boundaries. Lah. So right now we are working on a project where we are going to do pizza. Uh, none of us have any experience in making pizza or none of us even have experience uh, or knowledge about, uh, very good knowledge. Lah. I mean, basic knowledge, yes. So we decided, the bosses decided uh, to make a trip to Naples. Uh, and they invited me to join them if I wanted. And, you know, for me, going to Naples, the birthplace of pizza, many call it a birthplace. And yeah, it was a really good experience uh, to go to Naples and to learn how to make pizza. So I spent most of my money on (laughs) getting the experience, you know? It's a really good experience. So I, yeah. I'm saving back. I just managed to finish off paying that. So that yes, like I know you shared a little bit about you know what you're gonna do, what you guys are doing now. But to end up the show, you know, I just want to hear any more interesting projects like you have going on for you. Interesting projects. Uh, um, with the restaurant Sitka itself, uh, we'll be opening a new place in Rexcale. Uh, there'll be a pizza place. So we went to Naples to uh, learn how to make pizza. Yeah, so yeah, Rex Scale will be an interesting new project coming soon this year. So keep a look out. Uh huh, and your personal Instagram page? Oh, <laughs> uh, personal Instagram page. Uh, uh, well, if you guys want to. Uh, I don't know, I don't really post much though. So, yeah, but you can follow Cree Cree Cree. K R I K R I K R I. Yeah, yeah, so that's me on Instagram. Super yeah. cringy, but cringy, yes. You know, that's, my, that's what my friends call me, you know. Because so, yeah. yeah, yeah. they can't pronounce my surname. So it's like, do you really click? <laughs> so it's just like click. Uh, okay, like click, 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 yeah. Super cringy, but you know, I'm super happy that you took time off to come on the show to share with us your insights living in different countries and you know, your upcoming projects. Wish you all the best. Thanks, Thank man. you. Thanks, Thank man. you. Thanks See for you coming. Guys. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you learned something useful today and I really appreciate that Joel took time off 
to come to the show to connect with us and share with you all the insights. There will be more interviews to come, and I'm very happy that you guys are enjoying the podcast and we are having a whole load of guests coming on, you know, to share with you all the interesting insights. So if you have any other interesting people that any other interesting person that you want us to interview, you want us to talk to, please let us know. Join our community telegram group, join our Facebook page and chat with us. I look forward to hear more from you. See ya!